Hello to all of my Clumsy Theosis listeners. My name's Rochelle Lucero, and you've probably noticed that things seem a little different. There has been no introduction music, yet I have started talking. And that's because today's episode has not yet officially started. Because before we begin today, I would like to share some sad news with you. My dad fell asleep in the Lord about two weeks ago. And for those of you who listen that know my family, I do want to clarify that I'm talking about my dad, not my stepdad. Uh, It's been a hard couple of weeks for me, but as you know, as I talk about all the time, I firmly, firmly believe in the life of the world to come, in the salvation that Christ won for us on the cross. I believe in the communion of saints and in the purgation that the soul must undergo when it leaves this life before it can become all clean and shiny and just radiating God's glory. And through my prayer, in my soul, in my heart, I believe that my dad will be caught up in the glory of God for all of eternity because I know that God is mercy and God is love itself. But if you wouldn't mind praying for his soul, I would greatly appreciate it. His name is Richard David Smith. It was named after him, by the way. And if you want to throw in a prayer for me and my brother while you're at it, they would really, really go a long way. So thank you in advance for that. (sighs) And with that said, let's start today's episode on the Theotokos, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and the Ark of the Covenant, which is also Mary. Hey, you're listening to Clumsy Theosis, a Catholic podcast that explores topics within the Catholic faith to help us deepen our spiritual lives, own our relationship with the Lord, and strengthen His church. Welcome, everyone. I prepared these notes that I'm going to share with you today about three weeks ago, and I was intending to release them in advance of the feast of the entrance of the Theotokos into the temple. But since my dad's passing, I have not been up for much, really, at all. Literally. I can't seem to stay awake. I mean, crying is exhausting. Um, So is trying to not cry and trying to keep yourself busy so you just won't cry at all. And no matter what I do, I, I end up taking about like 10 cat naps a day. But for the time being, I seem to have turned a corner and I really want to talk to you guys about this topic, especially before we hit Advent, which is this Sunday for all of you Romans. I mean, talk about time flying. In the Byzantine Catholic tradition, for the feast of Mary's entrance into the temple, we sing about Mary and we actually refer to her as the Ark of the New Covenant. Specifically, what we say or we sing is this, the most pure temple of the Savior, the most pure bridal chamber and virgin, the treasury of the glory of God is led today into the house of the Lord, bringing grace in the spirit of God. God's angels praise her in song. She is the heavenly ark. Not many Catholics and even fewer Christians are aware that Mary is the ark of the new covenant. But this title has been used for her since the beginning of Christianity with saints like Athanasius of Alexandria, John of Damascus, Hippolytus, St. Ambrose, and so many other saints and theologians from the beginning of of early Christianity. But it's not a development of early Christians. The gospel writers also, such as Luke and John specifically, referred to Mary as the Ark of the New Covenant. Now, do they come out and say that Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant? Like, are we going to find that wording in Scripture itself? 
No, we're not. But they are writing from a first century Jewish standpoint, as in first century Jews who would know all about the Ark of the Covenant. That was the center of their worship. And when we read what they wrote in the context of first century Judaism, it's undeniable that they are comparing Mary to the Ark of the Covenant. Therefore, we have to be able to see through their eyes or read through their eyes when we read about Mary in the New Testament scriptures. So today, I'm just going to look through Luke's eyes, specifically what he writes about the Annunciation and the Visitation and how he sees these events through the lens of 2 Samuel 6, which is when David brings the ark into Jerusalem. And we're going to see the glaring similarities between the ark in the Old Testament and Mary, the ark of the new covenant. But really quickly, before we move on, so we're all on the same page and so everyone can get a mental image, the Ark of the Covenant is the large golden rectangular box with all kinds of beautiful carvings around it, and it's carried with two poles, right? Because if you touch it, it would bring imminent death, and it has those four beautiful angels on the top, and you would recognize this if you've ever watched Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark or really from any other shows or movies in which they try to recreate the Ark of the Covenant because typically they're pretty accurate because we have like the specifications in scripture itself. So the Ark was created at God's command when he made the covenant with Moses. So this is the old covenant, whereas Jesus is the new covenant. Okay, so now that we have those basics and everyone has the mental image of the Ark in their head, let's go back to Luke and how he explains the Annunciation and Visitation through the lens of David, who's bringing the ark into Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6. And I think since we're entering the Advent season, this is great timing to go over the Annunciation and the Visitation. All right, so first, in Luke 135, we read that the Holy Spirit of God will overshadow Mary and she will conceive the Christ child. This term overshadow that Luke uses in Greek, I don't know off the top of my head what it is, but I do know that it is only used in the Old Testament when referring to the glory cloud of God, which we know is God's presence. You know, I speak a little bit more about the cloud of glory in the temple in a somewhat recent episode called So Your Body is a Temple. What does that even mean? The context of that episode is different from today's, but I do go into more detail about the temple, the Holy of Holies, and the cloud of God's presence or the cloud of glory and the ark in that episode. So I'm going to include a link to that episode in the show notes for you to listen to after this. And the show notes can be found on our website, clumsytheosis.net, or also down in the description of this episode. All right. So that was the first similarity that Luke employed. Next, when he writes about Mary going to visit her cousin Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, he says that Mary arose and went to Judah. In the account when David brings the ark to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel 6, we read that David arose when he brought the ark to Judah. So that's the second purposeful parallel that Luke is using when explaining the visitation. We see the third when Elizabeth exclaims to Mary, how could the mother of my Lord come to me? Which is very similar to what David says when he exclaims, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? 
Now, John the Baptist, we know he leaps in the womb of Elizabeth and Elizabeth cries out. Okay, and we see David leap and dance with great shouts before the ark of the Lord when he's bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And the fifth parallel reference that Luke makes is when he says that Mary remained with Elizabeth for three months. And in 2 Samuel 6, the ark remained in the house of Obed-Edom for three months. Now, when Luke is making these parallels, he's employing what we're referring to as typology. Now, typology is something that we use when we study scripture, and it just it shows the relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Things like in the Old Testament, we see people and events, um, different offices that people hold, objects, um, even spoken words or things that people say. And these are seen as types that prefigure something that is fuller and truer in the New Testament, because in the New Testament, we can now see everything through the light of Christ. Now, when I was taking my scripture courses at Franciscan with Scott Hahn, he must have quoted St. Augustine at least once a week, if not every class period. And St. Augustine, he said this, he said that the New Testament is concealed in the Old and the Old Testament is revealed in the New. What St. Augustine is talking about here is called typology. And in the person of Mary, Luke saw this typology as well as Jesus, but we'll get to that a little later. This sounds really cool, you know, when we can see the typology explained and unfolding in front of us. But what does it mean and what implications does it have for us today or just Christianity in general? To answer that, we are going to have to turn our attention to first century Jewish understanding and knowledge of the ark. Now, really quickly, since we don't have all day, in scripture, we can see that during the Exodus, we see the ark being carried in front of God's chosen people as he leads them through the desert to the promised land. When the Israelites make camp during this 40 years, the ark is placed in the tent of meeting where the cloud of God's glory would go and dwell until they would pick things back up and continue on with their journey. We see David finally bringing the ark into Jerusalem, but it's King Solomon who placed the ark in the Holy of Holies in the temple. And it was on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, when the high priest would go in and sprinkle blood from their burnt offerings. He would sprinkle that over the ark as their atonement, right? Now, when the temple was destroyed, the ark went missing. Psych? No, it didn't. People might think that, especially if they have not read 2 Maccabees, because 2 Maccabees tells us that the ark is taken by the prophet Jeremiah, and he puts it in an unmarked cave on, Mant, Mant, on Mount Nebu. And ever since then, the chosen people of God have been waiting for the ark to reappear. And why is that? It's because the ark is the place where God comes in his cloud of glory to overshadow and dwell with his people. It is God's presence among his people. The ark is central to their worship. But why? I mean, is it because it's a pretty golden box? No, 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 no. It's because of what is inside of the ark. The ark is important because of what it contains, what is inside of it. There were three things inside of the ark. One, the tablet of the Ten Commandments, which is the word of God. Two, the golden urn of manna, or manna, however you say it, the bread from heaven. 
And third, the budding staff of Aaron, the staff of the high priest. These were the marks of the old covenant made between God and man. Now, if Mary is the ark, like Luke is claiming she is, and she carried Jesus in her womb, then it's only logical that Luke is saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these three sacramentals that were part of the old covenant. So the Ten Commandments, the word of God, try the word made flesh. The manna, bread from heaven, try new living bread, the Eucharist. The budding staff of Aaron, the staff of the high priest, try the true priest, like the dead wood of Aaron's staff that continued to bud new life. Jesus is the true priest who can bring forth everlasting life from the dead. I mean, can God get a mic drop? Jesus is the new covenant. He fulfills everything from the old covenant, and he does it with so much style and so much grace. I do think I should make a quick note here that we look at the significance of Mary being the Ark of the New Covenant because of who her son is, right? It's only because Jesus is the new covenant that we can say that Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant. So I just want to clarify that, put that out there. Now, as we enter into Advent and we're going to be preparing for the birth of Christ our Savior, I believe understanding Mary's role as the Ark of the New Covenant, it's going to help us spiritually enter into this season because we're able to see the richer dimensions. You know, one of Mary's role in salvation history, you know, that she is central as the Ark was central in the lives of the chosen people. She's central to salvation history. And two, we can see a fuller picture and appreciation of who it is that we are preparing to receive this Christmas, right? He is the fulfillment of the old covenant. You know, he is the the word made flesh. He's the living bread from heaven, you know, the Eucharist. And he is the true priest that brings life from death. Now, another cool little anecdote I want to mention about Mary being the ark It's not related to Christmas or Advent or anything, but I still think it's cool. In the Old Testament, the ark leads the way into battle. Now, if the ark was not present and it wasn't leading the way into a battle, the Israelites always lost. But when it led, they always won. And that is why Hitler wanted it in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just saying. Now, for us today, St. Padre Pio said that the rosary is the weapon for our times. So I think that there is is uh, there's no such thing as coincidences. And I do think in our times, we do need to prepare for battle with the rosary. And that's a spiritual battle. Also, the ark led the way to the promised land. And Mary, she always leads us to her son. She knows better than anyone that it's not about her. It's always about who she carried. It's always about Jesus. And I'll leave you with one last thing that my priest reminded me about the other day. He mentioned in his homily that the top of the ark, that place between those four angels, that is referred to as the seat of mercy. And just as the child Jesus sat on the lap of Mary, the ark of the new covenant, Jesus also sits on the seat of mercy. So I invite you to take all of the information that you learned in today's episode and revisit it throughout Advent. Don't just file it away. Like all of these things are supposed to help you grow closer to God and closer to holiness. And I promise you this information will 
make your anticipation of the Lord's arrival that much sweeter. Before I end today, I want to give a special thank you to Roland. Roland is one of our patrons who financially supports Clumsy Theosis, and he took advantage of the November sign-up special. You only have a few more days if you want to get on that too. So sign up to donate. Go to clumsytheosis.net and hit the word donate in the menu, and you will see the sign-up special. You'll see that extra special perk that you get this month for signing up. Now, You can also find show notes for this episode on clumsytheosis.net, as well as ways to connect with me via Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So until next week, I'm praying that you have a blessed start to your Advent season. Peace out. Thank you for tuning in to Clumsy Theosis. I'm so happy that you've been able to hang out. If you want to learn more about Clumsy Theosis, you are more than welcome to visit my website, clumsytheosis.net. From clumsytheosis.net, you will also be able to contact me if you're interested in booking me as a speaker or if you're just feeling generous and you'd like to make a donation. Remember that together we can transform the world by letting the Lord transform us.